how do you do this? So that's what we're going to talk about today. So who makes decisions on their on a daily basis, right? Everybody, right? Our life is just a bunch of decisions, one after another after another, and so it's extremely important. And what we don't want to do, nice, we're good to go. Um, we don't want to have this idea in the church, which who's heard this? Who's had a friend? So why do you do that? I just feel this calling. I just feel it deeply, you know, like it's a spiritual, and these people, they love God. There's lots of people who love God. They're not trying to do anything, you know, erroneous or, or bad. It's just, they don't know how to make decisions. And it's like, I just feel God in this. I feel God. And that happens, you know, that happens sometimes, but that is not a good day-to-day strategy. That is how God could use it, but it's not a day-to-day strategy for how to make decisions. Our goal is to set a structure for this is how you make good decisions 98% of the time. And then every once in a while, you'll have a feeling thing that's kind of more feeling-based. And so when we look at decisions in our lives, there's really four types of main decisions that we make on a daily basis. The first are clear decisions, right? So these are decisions that hopefully, if I ask you the question, you know the answer. Should you murder someone? No. Yeah, right? We got an expert in clear decisions in the front row. Murder? Wrong. Bad. Um, Should you cheat on your spouse? Wrong. Should you lie to your accountability group? Wrong. Uh, Should you hold bitterness towards another person? Um, Hopefully, you're not spending hours discussing these with your friends of are these right or wrong? Um, These are very clear biblically, uh, very clear biblical decisions. So that's kind of one type. Those are easy. Number two is kind of commonplace decisions that are insignificant. So these are common decisions I make on a weekly basis. Should I eat at Texas Roadhouse or Burger King? Who cares? You know, ultimately, like, doesn't matter too much. You know, should I get the blooming onion or the fried pickles? I have a coupon. I can choose between them. God doesn't care if you're eating the blooming onion or the fried pickles. It just doesn't matter. Um, They're both not good for you. Um, And taste amazing, you know, like both of them. Uh, Should you do the six-ounce sirloin or the chicken fried chicken? Once again, both are phenomenal. You'll enjoy both of them. It doesn't matter. Uh, Should you pay with cash or card? All of these things are just very commonplace decisions that you shouldn't spend days and days. And I don't know if you guys have experienced someone who tries to pray, should I go to Burger King or McDonald's? But I've had people in my life, when they're growing in Christ, who were like, I need to pray about everything. I'm going to start praying about McDonald's or Burger King. And I'm like, that might be a little, you know, a little bit too much. Um, But that's kind of another type of decision. The other uh, third type is conscience decisions. So a good example of this is in 1 Corinthians 8, uh, when Paul kind of brings up, hey, you know, don't eat meat sacrificed to idols, but it's not about that you can't do it. You're free to do what you want to do because you're free in Christ. But choose maybe not to do it because you might hurt another believer who's not at the place where they can see you eating meat to idols because maybe they came from that background, right? So it's hard for them. They're tempted by that. That's not a black and white, right? It's a conscience decision. So, for example, on that, like, you know, I'm a Chiefs fan. I like watching the Chiefs, and every once in a while, I'll have a beverage, uh, an alcoholic beverage when I'm watching the game. But there are people in our church and friends of mine who have struggled with alcohol in the past. And so you have to be conscious, uh, conscious of those people in the church 
And so I'll ask them or I'll ask a friend of theirs, hey, is this person really tempted by these things? Because if so, I'm not going to do it. You know, it's not a black or white. I could do it, but it might not be the best decision. It's a conscience decision. And then the fourth type of decision, we're gonna, which is the one we're really going to focus on today, is complex decisions. And these are the things that we deal with on a daily basis. Where should I work? Who should I date? Should I get married? Should I go back to school and get a job? Should I move to this town? Should I do this? Should I do that? So these are kind of the main ones that we're talking about today. So uh, the first thing we're going to address is just a few common errors in decision making. So you probably have experienced at least one of these in your life and in your friends' lives. Uh, the first one that we see is God's will for complex decisions is the same for every single believer. Who's experienced someone kind of telling them, Ray, raise your hand high if you've experienced it, where somebody's like, everybody should be doing this. And it's like, yeah, probably not. Yeah, so a handful of you experience that. This is something we experienced in our old campus ministry. Um, we realized that unless people stayed around, we were not going to become a church, and the younger people in the church were going to be uh, not be able to be mentored by older, more mature people. And so we realized we need to pretty much uh, encourage people to stay around in Manhattan. And we had a good heart about it, but it easily became a thing where it's kind of like, hey, maybe God's will is that you stay around in Manhattan. And it kind of became this reality where it almost probably crossed the line of we're kind of telling you this is God's will for your life when we don't know. It might be. And so you see this uh, a lot in the church and in specific churches. Uh, you know, in the Bible is, is really, uh, you know, speaks this in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, where uh, it says exceeding what is written causes arrogance in, on behalf of one believer to another. And so what happens when you get into this, uh, things that are not crystal clear is you just get really arrogant. And that's what was in our old ministry is there was a lot of arrogance of we believe this is your will, you know, the will for your life. You see this with like the LDS churches, you know, some, some interesting sects of churches that kind of have very strong stances on things that are not biblical. Um, secondly, you know, as a leader, and I've faced this, there's a lot of temptations to kind of put people in this position, right? Because it's, it's an aspect of control. You know, you kind of start running a church like a business. If all your people leave because they move out of Manhattan, you got no people, you got no funds, you got no, I mean, there's a lot of business thought, you know, related things that don't go well. And so there's a temptation to kind of say the will for your life is the same as this person's and the same for this person, the same for this person. Um, but that is an error. Uh, there's a book that you know I'd read on this topic and by Oswald Sanders, and it said, he said, uh, we should never allow others, however much we respect their counsel, to make our decisions for us. It is our future which is involved, and we must take the responsibility. So we, you know, each of us must take responsibility for our own actions, um, and the, same, the will is not the same for every single person. That's kind of the first one. The second pitfall, and you've definitely probably experienced this, is we don't need to be concerned about these decisions because God will work it out. Who's thought this before in their life? Yeah. Yeah. Probably everybody's really thought it, but, you know, only so many people want to raise their hand. We, we've all thought that, right? Where it's like, you know, God will work it out. Like, we don't need to worry about this. This is... Uh, really a view that uh, there's an idea in, in, in Christianity of like super spirituality. Who's heard that idea? Have you guys heard that idea? Yeah, a few people. 
Um, so it's kind of making everything spiritual. So everything spiritual, it's like, man, should I brush my teeth or not? I don't know. I'm going to pray about it and see if God wants me to. It's like, no, that's, you know, should I evangelize? No, I, I'll let God evangelize, you know. It's this idea that you just, everything spiritual, you don't do anything on a physical sense. Um, that's very prevalent in certain areas of the church. That's what this idea is laced with. Because we see God biblically, he uses, I mean, Matthew 28, the Great Commission is a great example, and there's lots of others, human agency, right? He uses us to do the things of God. Tad talks about this all the time. Um, and so this idea that we don't need to be concerned, God will work it all out, is just, uh, it's, it's not true. It's not a true statement. And the interesting thing about it is generally those who use this method and say like, oh, well, it'll just work itself out. There's a lot of areas in their life where they don't use it. So you got a guy who's like Jack because he works out every day and he's like, I just like want to pray about everything. It's like, so you haven't been in the gym every day working out to get bigger muscles? Well, I mean, I do that. Why don't you pray for bigger muscles? Why do you have to go work out every day? Well, that's not how that works. You know, I mean, it's, it's the same type of concept. And so people will often use that for those types of things. Number three is Romans 8.28 promises God will work it all for good. You've probably definitely heard of this one before, right? And this one's a real easy one. You just have to keep reading the verse. Um, it says to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so it's pretty clear that that's not what it, uh, what it means. Um, is that, you know, just, oh, God will work it all for, for good. You know, it's like, no, you have to love God. You have to be called according to his purpose. There's a lot more there that's going on. But you see lots of people use this one. And the last kind of, you know, common pitfall is I want to know God's will for the rest of my life. We've all definitely thought of this one, right? It's like the Lord just lays out. So I, I work for Purple Wave and we have people call in and they're like, so what's my, uh, what's my 2015 skid steer going to go for? And I'm like, dude, if I had an answer for you, I'd be a billionaire. Because I could literally just go, that equipment will sell for that, that'll sell for that. I mean, literally, it, and that's, that's how it works, right? I mean, nobody knows. You have no idea, right? You have no idea. And, and uh, I, I love the, the image that God gives us in Psalm 110. You know, uh, the word is a lamp. And a, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It's not a uh, sun to our world where you literally can see everything. You know, that's not how it works. It's right in front of us. It's directly in front of us. Um, but a lot of times we want to get that plan, um, that plan for our future. And it's just not always quite so clear. And the reality is with this one that uh, too much guidance might actually, I mean, if you really think about your life, would scare you away from doing God's will. You've probably experienced that. If you see what God's called you to, it's like, yeah, five years ago, if I would have known this is what I had to do, I would have ran as far away as possible, probably. And so he kind of has to, he knows how much you can handle, and he just wants to inch you closer and closer and closer to it versus giving you that final thing. Also, um, if you knew his will for the rest of your life, you would be uh, extremely prideful, probably. I mean, I know I would. I mean, it's like, it's like the, I, I remember a movie, I don't know what it was, but where the guy could, uh, he, he like read the newspaper and it was the day, pre, the day forwards newspaper. So we could see what happened that day. So we could like bet on, you know, the horses or bet on sports or, you know, stop this murder from happening and all this different stuff. And I mean, it, let's just say his life didn't end up really good. Um, 
because it's just one of those things that you knowing the future is not a not a good thing for us. We need to be dependent. We need to be in that humble mindset. So, so those are kind of just four pitfalls that I think we see a lot when making biblical decisions. And so uh, now let's jump into how do we do it then? If these are the ways we can get it wrong, how do we actually pull this off? And it's really not that complex in at the at a high level. But in terms of us actually doing it, it is a little bit harder. And so the first thing, if you're out there and you want to make a good quality biblical decision, is it all starts with prayer. It all starts with prayer. And I love this example of the Gibeonites. Does everybody remember the Joshua 9 story of the Gibeonites and what happened? It's actually a wonderful story. I mean, it's like, I was like, wow, that's really good. That's a great example. Um, so, so what happens is the Gibeonites, so obviously God promises the whole land of Israel to the Israelites, right? The whole section. And, um, and the Gibeonites are actually really close to the Israelites in ge- geography. They're actually right next to them the word spreading about God and what he's doing. And they're like, whoa, these guys are serious. Like these guys are going to knock us out too. I just know it. You know, they're going to take over our land and these guys are smart. And so what they do is they pretty much (laughs) fake that they are from far away. So they get together like old, nasty, moldy bread. They, you know, make their sandals look like they're old, make their, uh, you know, uh, their, 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 uh, sacks or whatever they carry stuff in they patch them make them look super old and then they show up to the israelites and they're like hey we're from like really really far away uh we don't know this area very well um could you guys like potentially promise to not like take us out and and the israelites right i mean this is an obvious decision right it's an obvious decision somebody could we could have go through these every day, right? Where somebody walks up and you're like, logically, that makes sense. You're, you got patches, you got all this stuff. And they go up and the Israelites, yeah, that sounds good. We're not going to pray about it. We're just going to give, give, give you the blessing pretty much, you know, make a covenant with you. And so they make the covenant and say, yeah, we're not going to take you out. Sure enough, they're neighbors. And they had no idea. And it says, because they did not seek the Lord. That's how they got in that situation. And they gave away a part of the promised land that God had promised them uh, because they didn't seek the Lord. And how many times, I mean, that's a great example of our daily lives. How many decisions on a daily basis are you like, I really want to take the time to pray about this? A lot, right? I really want to take the time. It seems like a great offer. It seems like a great, oh man, I'd love to move to, let's see, what's a cool place, Wyoming or something. That'd be awesome. You know, I'd love to move to California. I'd love to move to the East Coast. I'd love to take this job or that job or this thing. I'd love to date that person. Yeah, you have no idea. You have no idea what you'd love to do a lot of times. You don't. You don't. God does. And if you don't seek him, you can get yourself in that same situation as the situation with the Gibeonites. And you look back and you're like, man, I did not seek the Lord about that. And it was so clear to me in the beginning, and now it's kind of, I realize that's not a good decision, right? And so that's why we have to pray. We have to pray. And I mean, James, we're, you know, all reading James, memorizing James. I mean, this is my, probably my, my favorite verse that I use more often than not. And any other verse in the book of James is right here. If any of you lacks wisdom, right, then you can let him ask 
to God who get to God who gives freely, you know, without reproach. He'll give you everything, wisdom wise. All you have to do is ask and be confident, and He'll give it to you. And uh, I had this same situation happen. Actually, it was kind of funny. Uh, since I left ministry a couple years ago, uh, I've always been praying about, you know, what job do I need to be in? You know, what's a job where I can kind of provide for my family uh, that utilizes the things God's blessed me with the gifts, you know, that he kind of gave me and, and different things like that. And for years, you know, I've been in sales and stuff like that. And the problem with sales is you got to travel a lot. And I want to care about my family and I don't want to travel too much, if at all. And so that's been a real struggle of mine is how am I going to how am I going to be in sales when you naturally just have to travel? That's just kind of how sales works in a lot of ways. And so long story short, I've been praying for years about an opportunity and how to pretty much get in a place where I don't have to be away from my family, all this stuff. And I can tell you more if you ask me outside of it. But last week I got a job that is awesome in technology that I don't have to travel at all. And so literally the week I'm teaching on this, the Lord like provided on a two and a half year prayer pretty much um, that I've been seeking him. And there's been so many job offers of, oh, do this job. And I'm like, ah, I just don't feel like that's right. Even though it's a good situation, I don't feel like that's right. And God just keeps directing, directing, directing. And little did I know, I didn't tell a month ago when this job became available that this was an opportunity I could be a part of. And now it's here, you know? But it's been two years of praying for wisdom and asking God to guide me. Um, and so it's the same with all of us. We don't know what we want. And God has all these other opportunities. But unless we pray, unless we seek his will and ask for wisdom, we just never, we, we, we miss it most of the times. We miss it. So questions on this is, have you prayed about a decision? How much time have you sp spent in prayer on a major life change? And then also, do you feel like you know God's will in the area that you're praying about? That's another thing we talk about a lot is, um, you know, with this job, it was last Tuesday when I got the offer was I really, we'd been, Allie and I had been praying about it and we were like, I don't know, I don't know. And the Lord on the way to work, he was like, this is what I want. And so I was like, okay, Lord, this is what you want. Give it to me. And I got to work. The COO called me over and was like, hey, you got this job. I'm like, sweet. That's awesome. <laughs> But the Lord directs our prayer, right? He, he gets you in line with kind of, hey, yeah, this is what I want. If you pray for wisdom, he'll make it clear. He'll make it clear in your mind. And he'll say, yeah, this is the job you need so you can make the decision. It doesn't always have to be uh, you just, Lord, whichever one kind of like doesn't work. It happens sometimes. That's happened to me too. But a lot of times God will say, this is it. This is the one. And then you're like, okay, I'm praying for that now. I'm not just praying general. I'm praying for it. Um, so that's always cool. So yeah, prayer is number one. Number two is scripture. Um, you know, in this situation, I mean, just specifically using it, um, I knew God wanted me to be committed to my family. That's biblical, right? Even when you look at the qualifications of deacons and elders, like that is biblical. You got to take care of your family first or you're out. You're out of leadership. It's just not how you can't, you can't lead the church if you can't lead your family. I knew there can be lots of temptation when on the road. And that's just how it works on the road. You know, there's just temptation. And so I didn't want to be in that space. Um, you're not supposed to go towards temptation. You're supposed to go away from temptation. Uh, so that's another thing that was always sitting in my mind as I prayed about this. Number three, new life isn't all about money. You know, that God wants me to provide for my family, but it's not about making the most money you can make. It's about providing, you know, for your family as, as, a, as a man specifically. Um, so that was something I was praying through 
And then I also knew that he knit me together uniquely. Um, and so he had a, a job or a place for me to work that, that uh, I'm able to use my gifts on a daily basis. And so those were different kind of biblical things that as I was seeking after this job, I was praying through. I'm praying, Lord, I want these things right here. And he provided. Um, so think about it. What biblical passages might shed light on your decision? And, uh, you know, obviously interpret those in context. Um, and so, so, yeah, really looking at Scripture and seeing what does God say on these specific things, right? Um, and taking that time. The third one, which is one that uh, Tim and I were talking about this morning, is a pretty, like, one of the, almost the ones that I think maybe we need to get a lot better at in our church, is mature counsel. Ultimately, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I make decisions sometimes emotionally, Right? We all do that. You get excited about owning a cool car or a house or a job or, man, they, they gave me the job offer. I should just take it because I'm so encouraged. I got it. You know, it's like a, a victory, right? There's so many situations where we, we make decisions emotionally and we're like, yep, I'm taking it or I'm doing it. I'm going after this. Um, ultimately, what fellow believers help us do is to provide perspective on the things we're doing. And so when we're all emotionally excited, talking to fellow believers helps us kind of come down from the kind of dopamine high, you could call it, and really think about, wait a second, are there other sides to this that I didn't see? And I mean, Tad's great at that. Uh, if you want an honest opinion, ask Tad. He'll give you the straight. It, it's, it's a blessing. He will give you it straight. He will not, you know, play around. He'll be like, this is what I think. And Tad's not God. And so it's not like every time it's, the exact thing you should do, but he's going to give a good opinion on it, you know, and he's not going to kind of uh, go along with your, uh, your excitement. He'll, he'll, he'll talk to you straight. Um, but you need to find people in your life who will be those sounding boards for you. And the funniest thing back when I was in campus ministry is you'd have all these guys who are all single. None of them are in a relationship and they're, they're asking all their single buddies about the girl they're dating and asking them all these in-depth questions. And I was like, that's like asking like Tiger Woods how to like shoot free throws instead of LeBron James. Or like, <laughs> that's like asking like, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes how to, you know, play golf, even though he's actually pretty good at golf, I think. Uh, you know, rather than Tiger Woods. I mean, it's like, it's like hilarious. But guys, we just, I mean, that's one thing we just do is guys, we're like, yeah, my, uh, my 18-year-old buddies probably know more about relationships and dating and marriage than, you know, the 50-year-old in our church. It's like, who's been married for 30 years? It's like, it's just not true. Like, but they're easy, easy access, right? And generally your buddies are like, yeah, dude, she's cute, date her, you know? Like, they don't have, but we just, we, we want those easy answers a lot of times. And so we don't do the hard work to say, who are some people I could talk to who actually would provide an objective opinion that's not my buddies or my girlfriends? That's what you need to go after when you're making hard decisions is not, man, I love talking to this person because they just from everything I ever say. Not the person, well, you can talk to them, but not the main person you want to talk to. You want to find the people who will go against you and say, I disagree. I think you're missing this. And you want to get multiple of them. And the second thing Tim, Tim was mentioned this morning, I was like, that's really good. That's a good little thing is we also, the way we ask sometimes for people's uh, approval on things is we like infer it. And I was trying to think of how to, I mean, you probably have examples in your head of how people do this, but it's hilarious. We'll be like, so like, do you think it's like a horrible, like the worst decision ever to take this job? 
no, it's not the worst decision ever. Okay, so you affirm it. Perfect. You know, and it's like the way we like phrase things even is hilarious when we don't really want to get a real answer. We try to, you know, tee it up in a nice way or, you know, we'll buy him lunch and do this and do this and then we'll ask him um, or we'll just kind of fit in at the end. So I know you're really busy and you're stressed and you're rushing this thing. What do you think about this? You know, I mean, it's like really ask them, actually ask people, what do you really think? Give them the time to answer and don't try to, you know, get them all whatever, um, full of, you know, sugar and, and excitement uh, to, to be like, yeah, sounds great. Um, so th- that's, a, that's a really big thing when, when really asking for counsel. Um, yeah. And we see biblically, I mean, there's so many verses on this, and I love these verses. I'm just going to go through them really, really quick. In an abundance of counselors, there's safety. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Without counsel, plans go wrong, but with many advisors, they succeed. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom for the future. The purpose of a man's mind is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. By wise guidance, you can wage your war. In an abundance of counselors, there's victory. I mean, it's not unclear what we should do when it comes to asking for advice. We should have an abundance of counselors. That's, that's how it works. So if you're not doing it, it's, it's just wrong. It's wrong. You need to have people in your life that you can ask for to be honest. Um, and you can find anybody these days who will uh, encourage you in what you want to do. Literally anything. You could, what? You're going to encourage everybody in what they want to do? Okay. That's, we'll talk later. Um, no, but, uh, but it really, you, you can find anybody. And so, you know, don't just run around looking for the person. Um, oh, I'm going to go to this church or go to that church and stuff like that. So that's kind of number three. And number four is reason. So this is interesting. Oswald Sanders uh, talked about this, and I agree with him. It's not something we th- I think we think about a lot in the church, but I agree. He says the overwhelming major- majority of decisions noted in the New Testament, God's will, was discerned through a reasoned decision. Human reason was a channel through which God's will was normally known. Discerning his will boiled down to a matter of making a sound logical choice. And we see this. I mean, I'm not going to like, you know, die on a field to try to prove that and say this is like the big thing, but I think there is a lot in the scriptures you can see that there are a lot of logical decisions made. And one of them that I've always thought, and when I looked at how to make decisions biblically, was in First Corinthians, um, specifically as, as Paul is kind of, he's, he's coming to visit you after being in Macedonia, if I'm planning to travel through Macedonia, perhaps I'll stay a while with you. He's kind of going through his schedule, right? He's like, this is how I'm doing that, and then I'm doing this, and I'm doing this. I mean, Paul wasn't just going through like blindfolded, like, Lord, direct me, which way am I going? Like, that's not how it worked. He logically had a route that he went on to share the gospel with people based on the sea routes based on the walking routes. And what we're going to also talk about in a second is there are specific times when the Holy Spirit guided him away from those things. But on a day-to-day basis, Paul was not trying to act illogical because that sounds more spiritual than what makes sense. You know, that wasn't how he did things. Um, And so uh, that is a really kind of interesting, interesting opinion is, is, is just that, that use your reason. You know, like somebody, there's people where it's like they quit their job 
And it's like, did you think about how to get money? And they're like, no. I just felt like God wanted me to quit my job. And it's like, so where are you going to work now? Oh, crap. I think I need another job. You know, like, I mean, that, that happens, you know, because it's like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would God tell you to quit your job unless he had something else for you or he had, you know, it's just, you've got to make money. That's logical. It makes sense. Um, and so there's lots of that that goes on. Uh, Oswald Sanders, I love, you know, once again, this quote, the Holy Spirit guides us by quickening our discernment and enlightening our judgment, not by superseding it. So this is, once again, another thing that he does is um, instead of trying to supersede our judgment, he helps you see kind of, no, this is actually the plan. It's not illogical. You know, what he tells you to do a lot of times is a lot of times is not illogical. It makes total logical sense. You just don't see it. And as you pray about it, the Holy Spirit guides you and is like, hey, this is actually what, what I have for you. And you're like, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. Man, cool. And there are some times when it doesn't. But majority of the time, it makes somewhat sense to you. A couple other examples. In Acts 8.28, God sends Philip to a desert road in the middle of nowhere while revival is breaking out in Samaria. That doesn't you know, um, make much sense. And so there's a situation where he kind of broke that. Um, Acts 16... Uh, God blocks Paul from the reasonable next step in his journey to Asia. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. So God acts outside of logic and reason all the time, but uh, it doesn't mean he does it every time. And then another one that I thought was interesting uh, that I was thinking about is even though Paul was the greatest leader in the early church, I mean, God allowed him to be in prison for so long, (laughs) right? You'd think that if somebody was so key in a ministry, it would make logical sense to have them actually out with people but Paul was in prison for a good amount of time. And so God goes against logic. He does, but uh, it doesn't mean that he always does it. And so kind of the practical in this is, you know, sometimes after a long period of kind of thoughtful prayer and, you know, reflection, we can make a decision and God will choose to override it. Sometimes that happens. Um, But he'll generally open another door for that. And uh, when it comes down to decisions, also, if we're stubborn, and we kind of just go against God, he'll let us make bad choices sometimes. If we kind of just push him out of the mix, he'll let us do it. Um, But if we're humble and submitted to him, then he will make it clear. I think that's another thing that I've uh, realized is God is not like trying to pull some magical spell on us every time we make like the big decisions. He wants you to make the right decision. He doesn't want it to be unclear. And so if you're worried, like I'm going to miss it, like that's something a lot of people think of when they're making decisions. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss the person or the thing or the opportunity or the whatever. You're not going to miss it if you're seeking it. He's going to make it clear. It's not, it's not confusing. God's not a God of confusion. But a lot of, a lot of our lives, we think he is. We think he's pulling smoke and mirrors on us. But he's not. If you're submitted to him, he's going to make it clear. And that might require patience. I've been waiting for two and a half years for my, my thing, you know? It takes a long time sometimes. But that submission and that continuing to follow him, continuing to uh, submit to him, he will make it clear when, he's, when it's ready, when the opportunity is ready and when you're ready for it. And so you just got to be patient, like Richard was saying. Uh, the last thing on this reason is, uh, well, God can, if he chooses lead us contrary to reason we may trust in such cases he'll make his directions unmistakably clear and i don't think he leads us contrary to reason as much as he leads us to a greater reason 
think that's generally what happens. I don't think it's contrary to reason, um, but it'll be clear. It'll be clear. And the last thing, two slides left, is a personal desire. Proverbs 14, 12, we saw this earlier. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Who's experienced that before? Yep. Right? It seems right. Well, that seems like a great idea. That's a terrible idea. We should not have done that, you know? We've all experienced that. Um, and, and so I think more than anything, we just need to come to the realization that this is our life. A lot of things seem right to us. A lot of things do. But they, they lead to not good things. And so, you know, for, the, for those of you who are under 30 or even under 40 or even under 70 or 80 or 90, anybody can do this. But if you're young, learn this early and your life will be so much better. Learn that you're going to think your ways look good. And then 20 years later, you're going to turn around and be like, why did I do that? It's going to happen. And every generation just does it on repeat. And then the younger generation looks at the older generation and says, look what they did, and then does it again. And then the next generation judges the older generation, look what they did, and then they do the same thing. It just looks a little bit different. The only way to move forward is by seeking the Lord and all this stuff. And so I think, uh, in conclusion, I hope this has provided a bit of a framework for you guys of, of how to make a biblical decision, whether you execute on this or not as your own, own decision, but at least you know how to, at least you know the importance of it and kind of how to do it, what the right way to look. But I just want to tell you, God does have the best plans for you. Um, his, his, his will is good, perfect, and pleasing. And so um, if you seek after him, good things will happen in your life. They might not be the things that you think, but they'll be better than what you think. And he'll take the things that um, are in kind of the gifts, the, the longings, all the things that you have inside of you and use it for good. And you'll be in a better spot you ever imagined in, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, all the way up. You'll be like, how in the world did that all work out? That's how we should look at our life. How in the world did that all work out? It's because God had you and you submitted to him. And so you have no idea what he's doing in your life. And so, but he's going to knit it all together in an awesome way. And so keep being faithful, keep being patient, keep applying these means of making decisions and you will be so happy you did. Um, and you'll look back, like I said, 20, 30 years down the line and be thankful and feel blessed and feel just like full of God because you're like, man, he just made my life amazing. I just love it. So that is, that is what you get when you obey in these things. So that's all I got. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, I think we're done, right? Well, eat some pizza. Yeah, Father, we do uh, just come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, just this stuff is not, a, it's not rocket science. Um, you don't have to have a PhD to do it, but you do have to do it. You do have to execute on it. You do have to actually uh, lower yourself and realize that you don't have it all figured out and that you need people around you. you need, we need you to guide us. We need your word. We need... Uh, wisdom, that every decision, we need these things, God. Um, so just forgive us for, for making decisions time and time again without you and not learning, just being the person who, who walks up and, and uh, James talks about and looks at, looks, at, looks at themselves in the mirror and sees their reflection and is like, ooh, that was bad, and then turns around and forgets. 
they forget everything. That that that's what we do on a on a daily basis, Lord. Sometimes, and so help us to be submitted. Help us to be humble, and to really uh, learn how to obey you, Lord. And give us some easy wins early, that that really grow us in confidence and just trust and in faith that you do have the best plans, God, and that you'd build us into people that more and more over over the years. I mean, as as we kind of have more and more wins after trusting you, that we could go through just crazy things um, for your glory. Uh, because we just have faith and we just know that you always have the best no matter what it looks like and so uh, we love you lord and just pray that each person in this room would really take this and that i would take this and we'd really apply it and just live blessed lives because of it in jesus name amen